0: Hi. <laughs> I'm here to ask for money. Please send us money. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's friendship month here, so we can use
1: any donations and it would be very helpful. If you're watching this video, you probably know why it's helpful. Send kind of money. Uh, yeah, that's it. Here's <laughs> on. This evening's uh, Dharma talk is titled A Guided Meditation. I don't know if I've given a talk on that or even though I've given a few instructions on that, this was one I'd like to do as a as a talk so that we can have questions and answers, hopefully answers, about it. So we'll start out by, even though uh, those in the sendo here are not facing the wall, just whatever's in front of you, you can drop your gaze slightly so you're not looking off into space. Uh, Look at someone's back, if there's one in front of you, or if there's nothing in front of you, uh, your gaze can be off the tip of your nose, down towards the carpeting. Hands in uh, cosmic mudra, left over right, with the thumb slightly touching. And if this causes, sometimes this uh, position causes some issues with people's backs, so you can always do uh, uh, resting the mind uh, mudra, which is this one. This is fine. This is a uh, the issue I have a little bit with this is this is one we can we can do just any time you might be sitting this way. This is one you rarely will do casually. So there's a very uh, a very definite kind of intention after you've done this a few thousand times to to just come down. It's a way of connecting uh, connecting these two uh, polarities together, heaven and earth, right here. So this particular way that I'm going to talk about meditation uh, guide, and guiding you uh, is actually a contemplation. A meditation doesn't really have the kind of so-called objectivity or it's not as filled with objects. That's more about a contemplative approach. And um, you, can, you can split hairs over that or not. It doesn't matter. So but let's call this a guided meditation. I'm going to uh, show you how a way. That's why it says a guided meditation. There are other ways. Um, probably best to do this on your own rather than be guided. On the other hand, you need to start somewhere. So we'll start with one bell and we'll end with two bells. And after the first bell, we'll wait a few minutes or seconds and I'll begin to talk and then I'll allow space and then I'll talk some more and I'll allow space. And for whatever length of time it comes out to, um, you could follow my suggestions about how to work with what is occurring in your mind. Here we go. Hold the body very still, back very straight. Eyes either straight forward on a, an object that is not moving or cast down towards the floor. Whatever is moving, just observe. The diaphragm is moving. The air is coming and going. Don't necessarily cling on to anything. The breath, the diaphragm. Just watch what moves, observe what moves. You could do this for an entire period, just observing, whether it's thoughts, smells, tastes, content of sounds or of feelings or of what you are seeing. Just observe. So, we're going to do a little bit of focus. Focus on how the body feels. This is a sense of touch. As you focus on that feeling, go towards the actual feeling of what is brought about through gravity, how the clothing feels on the body, sense of touch, physical form, nerve endings on the skin, and so forth. Just observe. See that form, which is that feeling, which is the object that arises in consciousness. Now that your awareness is on that form, now expand that to see, if you can, the space in which that Feeling occurs. See if there's a sense of space, whether it's actual space or the thought about space, your interpretation of space, doesn't matter. Don't necessarily make it too complicated. Very simply, the space and the feeling arising in the space, sense of touch or body. Anything else that comes along, anything that tags along and tries to get your attention, don't resist it, don't join it, don't ignore it, if you can. And if something else occurs, then just observe that. No special agenda other than awareness, observing. Now go to that area where thoughts arise and come and go, the sixth consciousness, as it's traditionally called, and just observe thoughts, feelings, emotions, memories, coming and going. And no comment, no addition, unless additions happen spontaneously. That's fine, too. And as we did before, with this object or thought arising in that particular consciousness, see if you can see the space around thought patterns or shapes, memories, evaluations. See if there's a a space in which those things arise, or if they arise and you can't see any space. Maybe what is there you wouldn't call space. This is an interesting area to see the way concepts point at something that is not a concept. This is called awareness. Now we do the same thing with the sense of smell. There is incense burning in the room, at least here. But you can also just tune into or sense through that olfactory sense. The humidity in the room that you are in, temperature. Might even be a little stuffy. But something that you can bring your mind to, your consciousness to. And as we go through this, these various sense consciousnesses, you can also notice what happens to the thinking process. See if it's trying to join in and explain what you're smelling. Describe it, give it a name. Just, just be aware of it. No prevention, no advancement. No closed doors. Just this. Now we go to the sense of taste. And notice what happens to the other sense fields, when we focus on one of them, they, they shut down somewhat, but they may try to contribute a little bit. Do the senses overlap? Taste, taste of saliva, aftertaste of tea, coffee. Something is happening there as an object of consciousness, even though it's very, very subtle when you're not eating something. It's still there, very discreet in one, in some ways and not so discreet in others, sense of taste. See the space around. See if there's a way in the consciousness of flavor or lack of flavor. See if there's a space in which that occurs. See if there's anything in the space of awareness other than that particular kind of sense object. Is there an overlap? And now let's go to the sense of hearing, and I'll give you something to hear. Notice the space around that sound. the sound diminishes, does the space change? Did you even notice space? Was the space arising as a concept about space? Or was it arising as the complement to the object of sound in the first place? Was it different from that or the same? Were you able to discriminate anything at all? Other than lots about it. Now, when I say move, I want you to bring your right hand up in front of your eyes and about six or eight inches away, and just look at the palm of your hand. And notice if what is being received, what what you are seeing through the eye, visual consciousness, has space other than the space in which the hand is moving. Is there space within consciousness that is similar, the same, or different? Go. I return. So, those sense fields are similar in that they all have. A kind of object, similar in that they all have a kind of space in which the object occurs, and they are different in that the shape, form, um, frequency, or vibration of each one of those forms has quite a distinct personality. So another way that we can work with this is something that I call alternating sense awareness practice, ESAP, And that allows us to go between receiving one particular sense object and going to another one. And this does something to affect thought process, and the way thoughts, emotions, memories, concepts, ideas, judgments are received and the way they're produced. To see the difference between production and receiving is important, not by way of value, but by way of contrast. So I'll start this out as a guided alternation, and then I will stop guiding. And you can do your own alternation, changing to some other sense, or some other frequency or rhythm. Experiment with that a little bit yourself and see what happens in the sense fields, the whole sensorium. So let's start out with sense of touch, how the body feels, gravity, clothing, hanging on our limbs, the temperature of the body, various discomforts, or for that matter, comforts in the body position. Might be a little ache or pain somewhere, which is included. Just observe. And when I say move, then go from the body awareness with a sense of hearing. So right now, body awareness. Move to hearing. Now move to seeing. Now move to smelling. I'll move to tasting. I'll move to thinking. Now I'll move to feeling body awareness. Now to seeing. Now to feeling. Now I'll we'll just say one word and you will move your consciousness back, back and forth. Seeing, hearing, seeing, feeling. See, feeling, seeing, feeling. Notice if any thought processes are entering this that are complicating the situation. Not wrong. This is not incorrect. That's extra. We're just talking about what is moving. Seeing. Feeling, are there thoughts? Is there something else? Seeing, color, shape, texture, feeling, texture, weight, temperature. I'll do some of that on your own. Alternating sense awareness practice. So when we first start meditating, we, no matter what, who we are, uh, pretty much the first time we start doing that, it's always kind of a contemplation. We sit down, we hold still, and we try to see what this is about, notice our thoughts coming and going, try to understand, even though we might have been given definite instructions on what to do. Sometimes that's um, quite a bit of contrast as far as what we're actually experiencing. So right and wrong is kind Of beside the point here, what we're trying to do is train our mind not to just calm down, although that could be part of it, but basically to see what's the fundamental uh, issue here rather than here's the symptom of what can we do to soften it, calm it down, and make it go away or be mind. Might be um, more challenging, but fundamentally more radical to go right to the root of what this is. That can take a long time. You've been here a long time. <clears throat> You're going to be back more than likely. So, this is, these are just some exercises that not all that new, taught in different places. Just my version of it to actually work with the sense fields as a so you emphasize the objective quality of each one of the sense fields. So you understand the way uh, consciousness is working in each one of those much more clear about if you can see the space within the room space within the mind of uh, the mind uh, stream uh, to see how this functions, seeing how it functions will uh, be more uh, helpful in what is called the long run Uh, rather than fighting with it, trying to stop it, manipulate it, push it down, meditate it away, or become a great meditator. Some meditation practices, are aimed towards uh, becoming, uh, resting in tranquility. Um, Practice quite a bit of that. I'm not in disagreement with it. If that's what you need to do, then do that. But you could try uh, shikantaza, which is basically holding the body still and observing, simply put, When you're doing this, you can also do this. uh, You can actually do anything that's happening in any of your sense fields is uh, fair game. You can actually, it's moving. Your breath is moving, your diaphragm is moving. The issue that I have sometimes is is to help encourage people not fixate on something to try to create artificial stillness. And this is taught all over the place, so um, don't be surprised if, uh, if you're surprised. Any questions? I
0: think I've heard you in, in a lot of instructions when you talk about cosmic mudra. Um, you explain it as it's not something we do casually. I'm wondering why or what what is it about that
1: because it's not something we do casually let's <clears throat> emphasize? The reason I emphasize it and uh one is I didn't do it for twenty, thirty years. I did this and then I began doing this. And so I it's not like I prefer this. It's just I teach this way because I think this this is okay, but it's it's more casual, even though it's symmetrical. I think this is very distinctly putting just like in the the figure of the, the Buddha rupa, that's carved wood. It's a very, And it doesn't matter if it's this way or this way. We do left over right because the, that, the right hand is usually the active one and we're putting the left, which is inactive, over the top. Thumbs touching, forms a, an oval. There's some symbolism there, but the idea is you, you wouldn't probably do that casually unless you meditate a lot. And if you meditate a lot, then you find yourself doing this quite a bit casually because it's just part of your body-mind complex. So the idea is to sit because body and mind are not are, are two aspects of the same thing, but not fundamentally separate. We find that part of our body-mind complex, which is body. You can't, you don't have a lot to say so about the mind, although sometimes people go in and try to count the breath or label thinking. i have done a great deal of that. Uh, I don't teach it uh, generally. On occasion, I'll teach it specifically. But this, I, I emphasize this uh, because I just think it's a, uh, it's symmetrical. It's simple. It's easy to do, but I also have a few people who have problems in the back of their neck if they sit like this for any length of the time. And I've said, either you can just do this, uh, or you could put a pillow under your hands, which is sometimes done for a cushions, so your hands are not pulling down on your neck. More about that? Yeah. Is there something about that that's more conducive in a certain way? Just, just because it's your body. And uh, if I go like this, that's this is happening in my consciousness also. So this is happening in my consciousness. So you're you're addressing uh, body, speech, and mind through positioning the body, just like if you were to do mantras. You're using the, the connection between the body and mind, which is speech, to address that. Just another way of uh, training the mind. Right and wrong are extra. We don't need those. Uh, some people might need to do mantra practice. Might be better for them to do do that to do that practice. So I teach that depending on what I how, what I understand the person is dealing with. So sit like this. And also, uniform, we all wear black. There's nothing magical about black. Uh, I could just say, well, let's all wear red now. And then I could say, I didn't say magenta, said red. I mean, there would always be some arbitrariness. Even with black, uh, rather than all black, uh, just just really dark colors, dark blue, dark black, or dark gray is good, so that there's less uh, so-called differentiation personality happening there. I think it's just helpful. If, if you're sitting here and you've been sitting, somebody walks in with a with a bright red shirt on. It's a, you could say, well, that's a teaching, so or not, or you could say, no, that's a person that's colorblind. Jeez, uh. can we observe receiving? Mm-hmm. So, you can flash on it. You can notice that you've been open. Usually, when you notice receiving, you've just shut down because you're concluding something. I'm receiving. But you can do identify it. In a flash. You can just notice it, and then drop that, and be back into receiving it again. All, it's alternation of sorts. More. Here's another question. Yes. At one point
0: during the meditation, you asked us if our thoughts were interfering, mm-hmm. and you said, it, "Not that that's right or wrong, but just to notice." And I was wondering about what I guess more what you meant by "Are the thoughts? Are your thoughts interfering with the observation of the senses?" Yeah. That's exactly what I meant.
1: Are you, are you sensing that you can't stop thinking? you're You're working with a sense of of smell, but you have a lot of discursive thought wandering around in there. Did you sense interference or or you might have not you might say no, it wasn't interfering. I noticed I was thinking, but it didn't seem to be interfering. So that's what I was referring
0: to. More. Can you register the first five senses without thought? I think so. Yes, Did you know that you were registering them
1: with practice. What would be registering them that wasn't a thought? Thank you for that question. I'm, I can just, I'm looking at you, I can just see this without knowing what it is. You can see, you can actually do this. All of you can do it. You can see the most separative of all the sense consciousnesses, uh, of the five sense consciousnesses, is, is seeing. It's, it's the most, it's the one that seems like things are over there. Uh, the mind is even uh, more uh, uh, threatening. That's why we have paranoia sometimes, because we don't know things are over there or in here, especially when we start to realize that we've been projecting onto the world ideas about the world that are actually our own. That's our own mind. It can be quite irritating or embarrassing. So a sense of uh, all the other senses but other than mind are more intimate a sense of sound. You can sometimes if you hear a sound, you might not be sure where, where it's coming from. You know, it's not in your mind unless you have tinnitus or something. Or you can sometimes uh, maybe you all ex- all of you experienced uh, suddenly hearing your name called. anybody experienced that? Yeah. You know who that is, don't you? God. <laughs> I think it's pronounced God. So no, we don't know for sure what that is. People could speculate. I'm not interested in speculation, but I am interested in how that feels, what that's like. So, so sense of seeing is the most has the most distance to it, and uh, the sense of hearing. Uh, has some distance, but it's, uh, it's more something that we're having more, it's more intimate in sense of taste. Obviously, smell is extremely intimate and the sense of touch, very intimate. So, those, those, those areas are, it's interesting the way those overlap, underlap, and so on. But you can actually feel something without thinking, without having thoughts about it. Not as, It's not simple. It's not just something you can immediately do. You you would have to work with that in much the same way that I'm talking about here. You don't have to do this practice. It's just a a suggestion. You can sit down and just receive. But if you have difficulty with receiving, then you can go through something that is already the case. Gravity is not something you're creating. It's, It's actually insofar as relative truth is real. You are sitting on your cushion and you are experiencing gravity. So you could say it's grounding, as Trump Rinpoche used to emphasize. Going it. It's very grounding, very grounded. So staying with that grounded feeling uh, is important. Even the Buddha with the Sparsha Mudra when he was challenged by the daughters of Mara on his awakening, on awakening, they came and said, "Yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't. You haven't realized anything. What's your proof?" And then he touched the earth and said, "This earth is my witness." Pretty, pretty straightforward, forward sentence. He actually owned the earth in the the sense that he wasn't separated, separated from anything. So go ahead.
0: Is the differentiation of the senses coupled with time?
1: The illusion of time, the illusion that things are moving through time, that there's things happening in a time of time reference. Yes.
0: Can we perceive time with any sense other than
1: thought? It looks like we, we can somewhat, but we just about need the, the thought process to, to validate it to second the motion so to speak. If you, if you watch a uh, image I like to use, you you're looking at a stream flowing, and you see a leaf fall out of the tree, or a couple of them fall into the stream and float by you. You know, it's just like it's just the same thing as the uh, second hand on a clock, moving. So that's uh, we t- we've taken that movement, and put it into something that's very. Um, Cyclic and and uh, imitates the movement of the planets around and around the moon going around around know, phases of the moon. So it's a uh, it's happening. I mean, it's not it's not that it's some kind of illusion in the in the uh, fundamental sense that it's some kind of ghost or something, but it's unreal in the sense that we attribute to it because it's always now. It never gets to. It never leaves. Uh, there's there's no then in the past and there's no then in the future. It's always this this moment, and, and we the thought process will will mix up a lot of things to fill it in to give us some kind of feeling like well yeah I'm going doing this and I'm getting my working on my graduate degree and then I'm gonna go move to Utah and become a, a a squirrel biologist. Yes, go ahead. If you can just see without knowing what you're looking at, what's going on in the conceptual mind? Not much. Other than you, you could have some kind of a sense of humor could be happening there you can realize how seriously everybody's taking everything. And part of the reason they're taking it so seriously because, because of the suffering and because of the fear of things going awry, the thing, the fear of being threatened, the fear of the body being threatened, the fear of the the things we own being threatened, the fear of running out of money, running out of food, running, 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 the fear, because there's such a imputed belief that we are just this physical situation, which is slowly getting older and older. It doesn't mean that goes away. It just means you see a bigger bigger picture. Yes. Whose fear is that? Uh, fear, fear is having the fear, but it looks like somebody. And at some point, the one who is having the fear and the fear itself uh, um, collapse into one another, just to say it very literally. And then they collapse <laughs> into the space in which they originally occurred. So there you've got some transitions happening. But it's just a way of talking about it. Fundamentally, nothing happens. That's why it's called Buddha nature. You, you return to your original face before your parents' birth. You have to talk about somehow, so we use these kind of funny kind of uh, oriental expressions. Go ahead. If nothing happens yet, you say that you can see without knowing what's in front of you, then it seems like something's changed. Yeah. Did you? It does seem like it. It's an illusion. Go ahead. seems like a movie is real. It's not. A question from Don in Virginia. Yes, Don. He asks, is Shikantaza an entrance to Buddha nature? Sure. Yes. Sit down, hold still, observe, and observe what moves until until it doesn't. Talk about contrast being important. Mm -hmm. When being guided through a meditation like this, um, everything often blurs together, and I I have a hard time seeing the contrast mm-hmm. between senses, even when I'm intentionally going back and forth. I have a response unless you have a question. That's awareness. That's actually showing you the nature of your confusion. You 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 looked at it and you came to a conclusion about that that you didn't. You said I have a hard time. So that means you were setting up some kind of idea about how that should look. It did, did not match up to that. So you drew a conclusion that you weren't weren't understanding that in the way that should be, that that I meant it or that you thought it should happen or something. More? What do you mean by contrast? Then? The contrast between you said, what was your statement? You said, I, you say confused or what was the word you used? Just that it all blurs together. Well, blurs is confusion. What what was very, very specific, uh, you're uh, adding something onto that. The blurriness you're creating, the, the concreteness of what was said was very simple and direct wasn't any deep conceptual thing happening, nothing, just smell, taste, touch or feeling, seeing, hearing. Very, very simple. Yet the, the mind comes in and fools around with that. It doesn't want that kind of sim- simplicity, that kind of directness. Awakening, if there is such a thing, is extremely direct and simple. More? Is the blurriness not direct? The blurriness, what you're saying, the blurriness is a is a concept or conclusion about what is uh, arising in consciousness. So it has a directness to it in that it's that's it looks blurry. So it's direct in that way, but it's indirect in that it is a a conclusion about what is being observed. So you you looked at it and you've, you felt that it was blurry. You felt like you weren't seeing it, or you somehow came up with the conclusion that it's blurry or not clear. I'm not sure what this is, or what what, what should I be doing here. I'm not sure what uh, else you would say about it, but it's still, it's still awareness. You're aware of blurry, still awareness. Do you think you're doing it wrong? Do you? Yeah. More? What does contrast look like before our idea of what contrast should look like? Mm-hmm. So it could show up different for each person, but it's just very simple. just a black and white or gray and red. It's just a simple situation. With nothing that doesn't point to something else, just simple and direct, just just this. Yeah, is there something different that is seen in a more formless meditation where we're not being guided, we're just looking at the wall. Yes, no no contrast, but it's not something you can conclude. So therefore, it doesn't it doesn't uh, you, you know in uh, Eagleville that doesn't spend; it has no currency there. Because in the world of right and wrong and up and down, back and forth, the eight worldly dharmas, there's no, there's no Buddha nature can't or some understanding that is, uh, uh, or wisdom uh, doesn't show up as a thing, so it can't has no currency there. More. Good. I mean, good, good questions, Michael. You said something about see if the sense fields overlap. Mm-hmm. What did you mean by overlap? Well, in See if, they're, if they have some kind of a distinct or discrete separation from each other. Like some of them are mixed mixed together much easier than others, like smell and taste. But they're, they're definite consciousnesses. So that was just saying, when you notice that notice of the one you just left, or if you're going back and forth, notice that there's some kind of overlap or underlap or mixing together of that. doesn't need to be. I'm not saying look for that and see if you can discover that or make that happen. I'm just saying just notice that. So when I say that, uh, the idea there is to encourage your awareness to look more into contrasts. So if I said that, then you may, if you're unless you're daydreaming about something else, you may actually look at the two senses and see if there's the because when you do that, you notice it's hard to tell what they are. It's hard to tell them apart. Questions. You, you mentioned um, when you put your hands together, heaven and earth. What's the significance of heaven in that context? It's just a, a kind of a metaphor for, uh, like in Ikebana or um, or Russian awareness practice, bringing together this grounded situation and the uh, aspiration or heaven, bringing those together in this. There's another way. It's just. I don't know where it came from. It just showed up as I was talking. I'm sure I didn't make it up. Maybe it doesn't even work. Huh? The Earth then? What is that earth? Just You're just here. You're just solid you're on the Earth. It's like uh, when the Buddha reached down and touched the Earth. Sparsha Muddha. This Earth is my witness. He was addressing, to use that you know, metaphor, he's just talking to the Daughters of Mara, his own confusion. Uh, says, you know, you're not going to scare me out of this. Well, earth is my witness. It's a pretty big witness.
0: When our hands come together in heaven and earth, um, the body,
1: mind, position for that, what does that do to what happens in the consciousness? Find out. You're sitting and you're, you know, you're not sitting like this. You're not sitting like that. You're not casual. Nothing wrong with this. I mean, go to lunch, have a picnic, play rugby. You can find a rug. So we we, we take this, this kind of position. This says, Togan says, this, this is the Buddha. He's not saying this is the Buddha. He's saying this is the Buddha. Much easier than saying this is the Buddha. How does the um, human part play into it then? I'm following you, but you're going to have to say more than well, that. Well, If it relates, say, to the uh, ikibana or art or in that sense... Um, so the, if you bring heaven and earth together, and then yes. what represents human? The human human being is the one who does that, brings heaven and earth together, brings like the ikebana, the earth is the rocks and the, and the, the vase or the container, and then the tall, well, so tall plants, leaves or branches going up into the sky, and then the, this flower here, uh, is a, is the, uh, represent man or a woman or human being. The same thing with the brush and ink awareness practice. You're here and you, you bring heaven down to earth. And you do, you, you could do that in your everyday life all the time. Do you do that when you give a to talk? I don't do anything. When I say I don't do anything, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Is there an aspect though of the heaven? You're earth? awful nosy.
0: <laughs> is there an aspect of the heaven-earth?
1: Yes. that happens? Yeah, and, and uh, the, I understand your question. I don't mean to be mocking you, but I'm saying that uh, you, you would have to see what that is. If I say what it is literally, I would say it. the only way I can say it as a, a functioning as a person here is saying I don't get in the way of what's coming forward. If I did, then I would be more of a conventional teacher. I'd be teaching out of knowledge, information, judgment, evaluation, right and wrong. I'm not saying that that doesn't show up, but that's not how it looks over here. So that we can bring that um, heaven earth main principle, we could maybe do that in our daily life. So the practice is to do it with the cabana, to do it with your in, in your living situation. Uh, you would have to come up with the metaphors for it. There, this is very very simple. And you know, when you sit down and hold still, you're actually doing that. You look at the wall. You you're, it's just your beingness. Now, it might be all kinds of rumbling around with your particular style of neurotic behavior or pluses and minuses going on. But you're just there. You just, you just allow that to occur without jumping up and running out or going, calling, going and calling your therapist. You just allow that to occur.
0: Um, the idea of creativity comes up. Um, is there a way to be creative that's not a production? Same one just reflecting on how you said that you just don't get in the way of it. And it seems like just what comes up to me is like that uh, shoe rack out there. Just the situation just kind of showed up and it kind of was different than the way that you drew it, It different than the way that we were looking at it. It kind of just became a different thing.
1: That's exactly what I meant. (laughs) (laughs) You thought you did that by yourself? You didn't realize I was connecting heaven and earth? You you were the gopher. <laughs> no, of course that's what I mean. I mean, you, you're, there's a sense of of creativity, a sense of bringing the things together, the, the elements of something, and it was some kind of a, in that sense, a pragmatic goal of trying to make a, a rack that would accommodate the shoes during the retreat, so we don't have them all over the, the entryway floor, people to trip over. So that, and then just all all things coming together, and then. You know, you and I talked about it. I made a sketch. You went a different direction, but it was it worked better than what I had drawn. So I'm not sure what. Yes?
0: Seems like there's a polarity in the a way that you present production and receiving. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering how that situation re- relates to when you
1: talk about production. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So receiving would be just to look at the situation, receive what needs to be done, receive in a pragmatic sort of way. You're kind of inventing something there that will fulfill a particular function. So you'd need to be really receptive about what that, how that's going to be for anybody, for you or anyone else coming in there and how that's going to, so a lot of receiving has to happen. And if you set up any kind of arbitrary, you know, time frame, sometimes you have to have a time frame. Can't help it like the retreats coming up in what three days so that's what happens every first of every december so good idea idea to have that done but not required that was wasn't done we just trip over the shoes like we've always done. <laughs> so it just it just comes together because of all the different elements people that helped you with it uh, going to get material uh, talking to me about it just causes and conditions or there's some planning going on but it, it, it's not super tight. In some situations if you're building a skyscraper, you'd have to be pretty tight about how to do that because of, there's so many variables, you know speed of the wind, uh, gravity, how much it has to shift uh, to the wind to keep from just busting in half. There's just so many things to consider. more detailed kind of engineering. a lot a lot more moving parts, so to speak, or a lot more hidden parts so we're just not really sure about what. So can we create without producing? That, fundamentally, that's the only way you can truly predict, uh, create, fundamentally. Keep coming. When I say truly create, I'm saying, actually, you know, bring down lightning. If there's anybody there, you're going to get burned. Uh, down from Virginia has another question. Yes. He asks, uh, when I just sit and don't judge my thoughts or wanting to do, is this taking responsibility? Could be. It's the, the ability to respond means just means – Whatever happens, just respond, just observe, just respond. Responding is not adding, not pulling, not pushing, not doing anything with it. If you're just responding to it, then if anything needs to be done because you don't have a big agenda about it, then you, you won't miss that opportunity. If you were a, say, and of course not a surgeon, but if you were a surgeon and you're in a, inside someone's body and you're trying to um, work with their uh, Bypass surgery or something like that—that's very, very dangerous. You, you can't, you cannot make mistakes in there. If you kill somebody, you kill them. So to go in there and be very, very on receive all the time because of the completely unpredictable nature of of anything, especially human bodies. Um, and so, and be ready—you could say—be have so much receiving at the same time you're producing what you need to do. But you better have a whole lot of receiving going on so that you don't get too, shall we say, I think it's very subtle, but I can't think of another word, a little bit too overconfident about oh, what you're doing, and start to act out of your, well, I got this, I got this handled. Uh, little miniature flakes of arrogance showing up around somebody is so good, they've had so much approval, they've had so much success. And when it comes time for that cycle, um, you know, when, when uh, transiting Mars and, transiting uh, Saturn or crosses over Pluto you're, you might have a little bit of difficulty with that presumption about yourself and your wonderful capabilities I'm just saying I'm not talking about astrology I'm just saying causes and conditions are rotating in cycles in this so-called material uh, realm that are impossible to trace There's too many of them you, know, you can't you can't be sure of anything so if you, if you try to do that then it takes us on a what's what is the fool's errand which is circular lifetime after lifetime of trying to get better trying not to get worse trying to get and then having building up all kinds of karmic interrelationships with all the other apparent individuals So that's why i say as i was stumbled into so many years ago train your mind find out who you are and find out who you're not I'll take another question especially here in zendo um, can we get further from death from death I don't know how. What, what uh, way are you asking that?
0: The best way that I can conceptualize that life is suffering is that we're always approaching death, mm-hmm. in some sense. But like, change your diet and your health improves. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that is not that.
1: Hmm. Good. Well, you know, I think all of those are working at once. Uh, so you know, we may find something that's going to extend our life. We may. We may go another direction, which life extension may get cut short by whatever causes and conditions, including a automobile accident or something like that. So many different things, or something, some disease coming out of nowhere that completely destroys our plan to live longer. <laughs> it's in the way of that. So, fundamental understanding is uh, is the uh, life extension is, is an illusion. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. That the body mind doesn't decay and go down or get sick and die. And we feel sad if our friend or our relative or our child or someone passes away. But there's nothing wrong with that. It's not a mistake. If you're born, you're gonna die. Just the nature of this. But who you actually are has not been born. And so that's what the realization is about, to realize your true identity is, it's with this thing, it's with these forms and this form in in different uh, regard different dynamics happening but who you fundamentally are um is already gone or has never been born how whatever works and if none of that works for you then don't worry about it just keep practicing just watch what moves because eventually if you watch what moves you'll see what this is there's no guarantee but uh it's more likely that's going to happen than if you just work kind on of chinchilla ranch further questions excellent thank you so much we're at the back of our chant books, and like to remind everybody about the donation boxes that are in the hallway. As Nishikai said earlier, we appreciate and depend on your generous donations to help us continue these teachings and the work that we do for others and with others. Thank you. May the
0: penetrate into all places so that we in every sentient being the other can realize the does way
1: sa. <speaking in Spanish> <speaking in Spanish> <speaking in Spanish> all Buddhas, all Venerable Ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the
0: Great Prajna Paramita. All Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the Ten Directions and the Three Times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji, Buddhist Temple, Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with light.